a lot of parenting advice out there that you'll run into, it's focusing on looking for a solution to big problems. But what if the goal is that we don't have to get to the point of having those big issues? How do we do that? We can do that through having a strong bond. Now, that doesn't mean that there isn't going to be things that kids aren't going to struggle with certain areas. But if we as moms, if we can bond with our kiddos, it's easy to bond with a baby, right? They start smiling and giggling. They make eye contact and look at you. And then when they're little, you know, they start walking their toddlers and preschoolers. But what about that time when they start to show more independence? They want to be more independent. They want to play on their own. They want to hang out in their room. They want to get to know other kids and make friends. And so during the elementary age years, how do we as moms, how do we form like a really good bond during these younger years? Today, I'm going to share with you 10 simple tips on how to do that. Welcome to the Little by Little Homeschool Podcast, where you can get out of survival mode, feel confident in your homeschool decisions, and gain peace in your heart and home. I know that when we plant our feet firmly in this season of life and embrace our homeschooling, motherhood, and homemaking, we will thrive. I truly believe that we can do this from a place of peace and joy, all while growing a ton of contentment. And while we're at it, Mama, let's deepen those relationships with our children and love these years we get to pour into them. If you're ready to create beauty, seek simplicity, and live intentionally, Homeschool Mama, then close out that lesson book, let the kids go play, and let's have an authentic conversation. Our lives as homeschoolers is unique to most of the world, most of who you're going to run into when you're out in the grocery store, most of even those that we go to church with. And most of the advice advice out there is focused on, and it relates to families where you have two parents that are working and you have kids that are gone for six to eight hours a day. But you, mama, that's not the situation. Whether you do work inside or outside the home, Still, your life looks a lot different than everybody else. And you probably, well, most likely are probably juggling a couple of kids. You have multiple children in the home and you're thinking to yourself, how do I bond with each child? Because that can be a struggle when we have a gaggle of kids or even two kids. It doesn't have to be a ton of kids or even when you do have one kiddo, this advice will apply to that as well. So again, whether you do work from home or outside the home as a homeschool mom, still our lives with our kids being home is going to look different than everybody else. But most of you, I think that are listening to this are traditional with homeschooling and a parent is home homeschooling them and another parent is working, whether they are working inside or outside the home. But when we are talking about bonding with our elementary age kiddos, it doesn't have to be extravagant. Just simple, daily, weekly, maybe monthly focused habits. Those are the things that add up. It, I believe when they talk about, you know, well, is it quality or quantity? Yes, it's going to be yes. But I truly can say from bringing up my three kiddos that yes, we've had some 
times of extravagant things that we have done. We've had some deep quality time, but there's also just the quantity, just mom, dad being around and specifically we're going to talk about moms and motherhood, but just being around and just having, being there when they have an issue, when they fell and they hurt themselves, you're the one that's going to pick them up and clean up that scraped knee. You're the one that's going to be there when they are sick. Sickness is, you know, when the kids are on the couch and they're down and out, that is a time that there is bonding. It's not a fun time, but it is a time of bonding. But again, this does, so this just kind of shows that the bonding doesn't have to be anything extravagant. It could be. So on my list here of 10 things, you're not going to find anything that's going to be way out of the budget. Now you can take these things way out of the budget. So I want you to look at your family, I want you to look at what your values are. What do you, what are your goals for your family as a whole and for your homeschool? And then be able to pick out different ones and how you're going to actually implement them. And I came up with this list because it is a tried and true list. It is what I have done with my kiddos. So my daughter is just about 20 years old. And I overheard her, she's talking to her brothers and she said something about mom, meaning me, knows her better than anyone else. And I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. I don't know if I would have said that about my mom. She probably did know me better than I knew myself. I just was not mature enough or better than anybody else, not mature enough to acknowledge that. But I think it's been just the accumulation of all of the years and all of the little tiny things that I did with intentionality that helped us to bond and that also helped her to recognize that as a bond and a way of knowing that we really do know each other really well. Okay, let's talk about these 10 simple tips to help you build the best bond with your homeschool elementary age child. Number one is that I want you to get on their level with the things that they enjoy. Maybe you have a kiddo who loves to play with matchbox cars and is sitting on the floor all the time, pushing them along the coffee table or laying down on the floor and at eye level watching the cars. Now, maybe getting down the eye level is a little bit harder, but get down to their level and just enjoy them in what they're doing. Now, I am going to admit something to you, and I think that many of you are going to be able to relate to this. But I am not a mom that enjoyed playing with them, playing with what they're playing, with their imagination. Didn't mean I didn't do it. Sometimes I did do it. And I was like, you are not doing this for yourself. You are doing this for your child. And so during the elementary years, they can kind of be a little bit, some kids will want you to do that. And some kids have moved on from that and they're not, which they might want you to do more so during the toddler and preschool years. And they've moved on from that. They don't necessarily expect you to join in, but at least just getting down on their level and just observing them, talking to them. And sometimes they'll kind of stop if you sit down and then they'll stop what they're playing after a little while and just kind of look at you like, what are you doing here? And be like, oh, just asking them questions about what they're doing. And maybe they want you to join in and maybe they just will talk to you a little while. And then sometimes they just go back to their playing and you're like, okay, that's good. Okay, we're here. It is just a way of letting them know that they're seen and that they are not ignored. I know kids love to play, 
but they also want to know that you know that there's that they're there and that pl- their time of play isn't just for them to do something so that you can get something done. Now that I admitted that I'm not the mom that enjoyed playing like imagination, imaginary type of things with my kids, number two here is I want you to play the game they want to play. So I also am not a huge fan of games. I know some of you are like, what? But I will play the games. I have played my fair share of Candyland and Shoots and Ladders and Twister, like the old school games. I bought all of those for my kids because I was like, we need to have those. But I've also played all the other games, newer games, whatever my kids were kind of into. Now, as a child, I loved to play games. And so I provided my kids with lots of them too. But I want you to play the game that they want to play. They want to play that memory game where you flip the cards over and you're trying to match them up. They want to play that for the 20th time this month. Play the game because I assure you there will come a time where that is not the game that they pick. They will pick another game. They'll move on from that. But the point of this is for you to bond over something that they enjoy doing. And that shows them, especially as they get, my kids now are older, they realize, oh, so you really didn't enjoy playing all those shoots and ladders? I'm like, no, I didn't, but I did it for you. And I enjoyed being with you. And it actually means a lot more to them. They're like, oh, okay, wow. Okay, number three here is I want you to invite them. Now that you've done something that they're doing and you have stepped into their world, number three, I want you to invite them to do something with you. Maybe it's just simple as running errands. Maybe it's just to go to the post office. Maybe you have some returns to do. And oftentimes when we have multiple kids, you know, all we'll take all of them together and it's just kind of a, and not even experience. It's just to get these things done, get these errands done. But if we have an opportunity just to take one kiddo to go run one errand, they kind of feel a little special. Like, wow, mom asked me to go. Now, next time you do that, ask the next kid. And the next time, ask the next kid. So keep it even and keep it in a rotation. But we we invite them to step into something that we're doing. It makes them feel a little bit grown up or a little bit older and a little bit special. And when I would do this, sometimes I would include something like, especially if it was in the summer, we would have to swing by the ice cream shop and, you know, get an ice cream cone afterwards as well. But it's just kind of fun to invite them then into our world in something that we are doing. For many years, through a couple different seasons of my kids' lives, I have been in charge of our women's ministry at different churches when we lived at different places. And I would include them in maybe shopping for some certain things that I needed or the setup of it and just take one kiddo. There was some times that I was like, all all hands on deck for this one. I need James and all three of the kids. And we did, we bonded over, even though it was a whole family thing, bonded over setting up some event that I was having. Okay. So number four is I just want you to ask them questions, whatever questions about anything and just see where the questions lead. And then just listen, don't solve any problems unless they ask you to solve problems or you say, would you like some ideas for solutions to that? And if they say no, then then don't. But just ask them questions, get into their mind a little bit, figure out what is the things that they're thinking about, what is important to them. And remember, they're young children. The things that are going to be important to them 
are probably not going to be important to you, but to them in that season of life, that stage, that age that they're at, it is important to them. And when they are six years old, eight years old, 10 years old, and they know that mom will listen to them with whatever they're saying, and you're not condescending and you're not correcting them and you're not berating them, they will come to you when they are 15. They will come to you when they're 17. They will come to you when they're 19. They will come to you when they are 21 because they know that mom listened to me when I was telling her about the next door neighbor kid and I didn't like how he was treating me or the kid in my Sunday school class. You know, they listen to those things, those different areas, things that my fears and worries and answered the questions that I had. Well, they're going to come to you when they're teens. And that's when we, we, I mean, of course we want them to come when they're younger, but we really want to establish that bond so that they know that they can come to us when they're older. If the things that are important to them when they are little, if we treat those things as being important, when they are older, they will come to us with things that are important and we will treat those things as important as well. Number five is read a book together. Now, a lot of times as homeschool moms, especially during our homeschool day, maybe during morning time, we'll do a read aloud where we read something with everybody, with all, with mom and all the kids. But what if you had a book that was just for you and one of your kiddos? Now, maybe you have, say, four kids and you don't really need like a morning time book and then four books go, other books going at the same time. You don't need five books. Well, maybe work it in a rotation where you're doing a book together as a family, but you're reading a book uh, uh, together, maybe in the evening before bedtime, just with say child A. And then when you're done with that book, child B gets to pick out a book so that you don't have to sit and read for maybe two or three hours right before bed. But reading a book together, especially it's something that maybe they pick out or possibly you pick out because you know they would really like this book. It really helps to bond over the story and the characters and all that goes on in the book. Now, number six is to experience something together. This could be something extravagant. It could be something not extravagant. It could be whatever you want. Maybe you take your kid to a sporting event. Maybe your budget allows for you to go to um, a, a, some type of sport. Can you tell I'm a real sports person? Some sports game that is as, you know, high paying tickets. Okay. But maybe you just take them to a local high school football game. That doesn't have to be anything that's crazy over the budget, but just going and experiencing something together. What is it that they would enjoy? Maybe you have a kiddo that would love to go to a concert. Find something local that is within your budget, within your time, and within whatever parameters that you're working together with. But experience something together. It could be maybe fixing something together. It doesn't even have to be going and doing something. It could be a trip. My daughter and I took a trip uh, together, just the two of us. It was a long weekend. We've done this other times too. But I specifically remember she was about eight, nine years old. And we took a weekend trip and we still talk about that now. And like I said, she's almost 20 years old and we still have memories from that trip when it was just the two of us doing something together. Number seven, this is a fun one, but tell your kids stories about your childhood and maybe let, you know, grandma and grandpa, your parents, let them tell some stories too. 
kids love to hear stories about their parents when they were younger, because to them, they're like, they've always been adults. They've never been children. They have no idea that we lived an entire life before them. But just tell them stories. It could be something short. It could be something sweet. It could be something simple. It could be funny stories. And as they get older, I remember kind of being like, okay, we can only tell them some stories when they're younger. As they get older, now that my kids are older, I know we're talking about elementary age kiddos, but just to look forward to someday when you're older, there's been times we have sat down. We're like, look, we don't want you to make some of these same mistakes. This is some of the stupid things we did. And this was almost the consequences. But in the younger years, focus on just the fun stories, the adventures that you had, um, maybe a dog that you used to have, some funny stories you have, anything. Kids love to hear about your childhood. And number eight here, I want you to teach them how to cook or bake a few recipes. Just start with one. Find out if they want to learn how to cook a meal or do they want to bake some type of dessert and just teach them one thing. Find a recipe that you know that they can do do it together a few times and then be there to watch and to kind of oversee and you'll get to the point where they can make that recipe on their own in a safe manner. And once they know that recipe, you can move on to another recipe, but you get to bond over the fact that you have taught them to do that. So in the end, you get a bonus as well is that you have a kiddo that can maybe cook a meal or can bake a dessert. But the fact that together you're doing this and you're teaching them a skill Bonus is you're teaching them a skill that's going to benefit you, but it's also going to benefit them for the rest of their lives. And number nine here is I want you, it's not something tangible, like practical, like, you know, teach them to cook or bake this, make, bake some brownies. But I just want you to be aware and to take advantage of moments throughout the day. You have a kiddo that is sitting on the couch reading a book. Just go and sit down next to them. Put your arm around them. Just kind of snuggle a little bit with them. You don't have to talk about anything just to be there. You see a kiddo outside working on uh, building something or playing something. Go out and just kind of hang out with them for a little bit. These don't have to be, again, these big, huge moments. It's just recognizing that there is a couple of minutes that you could stop what you're doing and that you could go and just hang out and just be with them. Number 10 here, we're going to go out with a bang. Okay. Are you ready? Mama, I want you to be fully present. And to help you do that is I want you to set your phone aside. Now I know that we use our phone for emailing. We might have our calendar. We're in contact with um, maybe a soccer or baseball coach through that. There's a lot of different ways that we can utilize and use our phone for really good things in communication. But there is a line that is very easy to cross. I'm guilty of it. I know all of us are. And I'm one way that I try to be really proactive is to delete the social media apps that I find myself will just kind of trap me a bit. So really, my phone isn't very much fun then. Because what am I going to do? Check my email for the 50th time today? Like nobody even emails me really anymore. And text messaging, I can kind of hear come through and, and I can deal with those as needed, but being fully present, put your phone somewhere else during school time. If you can turn it off, or maybe just check it once an hour, just to make sure that maybe a phone call or a text hasn't come through something that you need to deal with. But when our kids see 
our face in a screen more than they see our face in their face, they know what's most important and it's not them. And we are at this point where all the kids that are growing up now and that have been the past few years, at least, so I'm talking about like my, I believe that my kids, my older two, probably are the last generation or so that had some of a childhood without all of this technology. My youngest is 14, so he's probably kind of from his memory what he remembers. And my goal was to give them a childhood that was free from the entanglements of technology for them, but also for me. And I have faltered. I have not done that well and obviously not perfectly. But when we are fully present in moments, our kids know that they are most important because they really are most important. And we can say, well, you know, I'm on this social media app and I'm learning a lot or I'm getting recipes. That's fine. We can set aside certain times that we do that. That could be done maybe in the evening after the kids are in bed, even though I know I've said to turn your phone off and to get things done around the house. But maybe there's times where that is just what you do is you are spending some time looking for some recipes and there's a focus and there's a direction on that. But when we're just trying to fill up our time with just spending time on our phone, we could instead fill up that time with our kiddos because going to get sappy here because I've got some kids that are flying the coop here and I'm not going to cry, I promise. But there is limited time. The 20 years, I know people say 18 years, but for me in my experience here, looking at about 20 years or so of kids being, you know, pretty well dependent, maybe starting to kind of fly a bit further, it goes so fast. You will not believe how fast 20 years goes. And when we look back, these other, these 10 things are ways that you're going to be able to bond with your kiddo and they are going to know from their younger years that they are important, that they are the most important thing as we're pouring into them. We know they are. We wouldn't be homeschooling if they weren't important to us, right? But as kids, they don't really fully understand that. They will someday as they are older, but for right now, let's work on these 10 things. And I can guarantee you that it'll help to build a bond with your kiddos that's going to last a lifetime. And you're saying to yourself, okay, this all sounds really great, but how am I supposed to include that in my homeschooling day? We have this curriculum that I've ordered and I need to get through it all. Come on, Lee, let's like make this actually manageable. Mama, I feel you. I can completely relate to how you're feeling with all the things you're going to do. And you're like, now I have to bond with my kiddo. We have to realize what is most important. Is it the curriculum? Are we serving the curriculum or are we serving our family as a mom? What is our goal? Is our goal to check off the list of curriculum? And I'm going to tell you that was me for many years. If I didn't get all the way through the curriculum, I felt like I was a failure and my kids were therefore going to be failures too, because they didn't know all of those things from that book that I determined was the best book to do for math or to do for reading or to do for spelling or vocabulary or geography or history or science. But there is a balance and that balance is one that when we reach that balance where we have found the intentionality that we want in raising our children and the reasons and the purpose and the why to why you're homeschooling. How do we fulfill that without becoming 
slaves to our curriculum, to the state regulations, to our expectations, to what we think others expect of our homeschool. There is a path right there in the middle of those things, and it will lead you to absolute freedom that will help you accomplish your goals when it comes to your homeschool, that will help you accomplish your goals when it comes to raising your children. And that sweet spot right there in the middle is what I have worked on when I'm created Clarify Your Homeschool and what you're going to find. You're going to find the sweet spot between having a vision and goals for who you want your children to be, how you want this homeschool thing to go day to day, year to year, and what is the ultimate goal, along with accomplishing and meeting what those goals are, what your vision is, and practically what you need to do in order to meet the regulations and, you know, not to get into trouble with your local school district or your state when it comes to homeschool, because that's the goal is not to cause any type of attention to yourself about any of that kind of stuff, but to get accomplished what we want to accomplish, but do it in an intentional manner. And the things that I share with you and that we learn and that you grow in and that you get to apply from Clarify Your Homeschool are all things that I wish I had way back, but I had to walk that road. I had to walk the way of just uncertainty and and being too enamored with the homeschool curriculum and with what I felt like I needed to do and the expectations I needed to meet and what I felt like I had to prove to other people. So mama, let's get you into that sweet spot, okay? Join me in Clarify Your Homeschool. You can head over to clarifyyourhomeschool.com. This has been a fun episode. I hope that you're able to start applying these things right now, and I will see you right back here on the Little by Little Homeschool podcast after the weekend. If this podcast has encouraged you, the number one way you can thank me is to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. I love to hear how this show has impacted you. So if you could hop over and do that, I'd be so grateful. While you're at it, take a screenshot of this episode and share it with your friends to encourage them. You can also find me over on Instagram at Little by Little Homeschool. Until next time, have a beautiful day, Mama.